Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of A Bit of Fellatio. I am your host, Jason Geller, alongside producer extraordinaire, John Maddox. Hi, John. Hey, Jay. How you doing? How was I'm Halloween? okay. Halloween was good. I think the weekend overall, if you can hear it in my voice, my voice is a little shot from that UCF football game. Great game. Great game. Most exciting game I've been to in years. They, so, they looked good. They look good. And, and you know what? I know this isn't college football talk, but with Mikey Keene at quarterback as a fan, it's more entertaining when the team can get those big chunk plays, 10, 15, 20 yards, throwing the ball down the field. So Definitely watching on, on TV, it was the most exciting game this year. They looked better in that win than they looked against any other team. Yeah, I even said it was probably the most exciting game since the conference championship game right after Mackenzie Milton went down. Not going to compare it to Black Friday against USF. That's an all-timer, but it was definitely up there with the conference championship game in terms of intensity and crowd uh, energy there. Well, glad you had fun. So you, you got down on the field, huh? Yeah, Braden was um, kids club fan of the game. Wasn't necessarily picked. It was a reward you can redeem. So I don't want to claim that he won anything, but it was neat. It was a great experience. Um, he's starting to pop up on their socials, some footage from being down there with Nitro and all that stuff. And it was a total surprise to him too. He didn't know it was happening until it was happening. Awesome. But yeah, so enough football talk. Let's get into football. All right. Well, so I want to call things out before we start this episode. We're going to talk about the, uh, the recap of last week, but it's a little weird the way we recap things because with quirk in the schedule, we didn't all play each other in you know, little groups of three teams all playing each other. So it's going to be a little weird wonky when we get into it. You'll see we'll do our best to try and keep things as organized as possible. And then after we go through that, man, we're going to talk about some of the trades, more trades. As we're recording this Tuesday night, we just had the NFL trade deadline earlier today, which actually works out well from our standpoint because we had a lot to talk about there. And then there's a couple of trades that went down in our own fantasy league here. Uh, one late or early last week, rather, but right after we released the podcast. So we haven't had a chance to talk about that yet. And then another one that went down just this morning. So we like when they happen Tuesday morning and not Wednesday morning. We can talk about them. Yeah. And then we'll look ahead in week uh, week nine. Talk about some matchups and some bye weeks. You threw a little note in there with the playoff odds. So maybe we'll talk about what teams in our league have a chance to make the playoffs and which ones don't. Yeah, numbers are changing by the week. I mean, we this week. So let's get into this past week here because we just had five teams go 2-0 and last week and five teams went 0-2. Again, a little quirk in the schedule. Only two teams that split their games were John, yourself, and Danny Flynn's flock. Everyone else 2-0 and or 0-2, and, and what that means, a lot of teams rocketed up the standings or shot down the standings. Unfortunately, I was one of the teams that went 0-2, but the teams that went 2-0, and we got Chulio to Tortoises, Philadelphia Unruly Fans, Team Wobble, the Gingerbread Men, and you'll see. And so all five of those teams definitely put themselves in a stronger position. Maybe not so much the Gingers because they may be out of it no matter what, but teams there, all the other ones really either strengthened their playoff chances or went from you know, not really having much of a chance in uh, the tortoise's case to now, you know, they got a, an outside shot at it. Yeah. So first one I want to talk about leading the way scoring wise team that we've almost started to count out here, but Philadelphia unruly fans, another two in a week. I think this makes four in a row for them. Now they led the way with 146 points. And I mean, <laughs> this is no, just, just an all timer game. Go ahead. Just a correction real quick. You yes. Almost counted Joe out when a couple episodes ago, when we were looking at the different divisions, I believe I was the one that said, you know, I got my eye on Joe's team. You know, at the time he was four, seven and one, I believe when we looked at that. And I said he was better than his record. Yeah. And you know what? Look at this. I mean, he got Christian McCaffrey, newfound life in San Francisco. He did something in the NFL that hadn't been done since 2005. Uh, the old Cade McNown trifecta of a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, and a receiving touchdown um, en route to 31 points. Hadn't been done. LaDainian Tomlinson was the last one to do it, so that's how long ago that was. And then he got three touchdowns, kind of the standard variety, all on the ground from Dante Foreman. So, yeah, man, getting 62 points from your backfield is pretty good. His starting lineup, 10 total touchdowns. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's... he got... DJ Moore there finally came back to life. 
Yeah, that's 60, 60 fantasy points just in touchdowns alone. We had a couple teams that barely managed to crack, crack 60 altogether. <laughs> that's what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, DJ Moore came back to life. He got that big Hail Mary at the end, 62-yard uh, touchdowns. That's a 12-point play right there. And then, you know, managed to throw his helmet off and get penalized. So he got to get some bonus time in there afterwards in terms of overtime. And this um, this was the week that Joe needed to score a lot of points. He came up against, you said, uh, you know, he, he took me down and he took Flock down, the next two highest scorers this week. So he didn't have an easy easy set of games but putting up 146 is yeah he didn't waste any of those strong points. showing yeah yeah and that's you know it's it's too bad for danny who who beat everybody else but you know quirk of the schedule goes one and one for this week after putting up 132 points so and and danny you know man he you had to think after the way the first half started just for aj brown alone 33 points three long distance receiving touchdowns you got to be feeling good about your odds there and then just you know on top of that, Jalen Waddle picking on the Lions secondary to the tune of 106 yards and two touchdowns. Even Amari Cooper, 17 points there, despite throwing an interception of all things. But yeah, when anytime you can get, you know, 60 something points out of your, or excuse me, 70 points out of your, your wide receiver core, you'd like to think you're going to go 2-0. and and, and Unfortunately for Danny, he ran into, into a buzzsaw this week. Yeah. Now, one team that we have picked on a little bit, as you alluded to, the Torts. The tortoises. Yeah, the tortoises. Look at this. After all uh, that talk, and and then the voicemail. It looks like the voicemail he sent in last week was just a week off because now this was the week he went two and zero, beat up on the boneheads, beat up on Sean's team, and it's funny. The, the the big thing I noticed about this, he's doing it with waiver wire running backs. Um, both these guys. No, no, I don't mean that as an insult. It's really more of a compliment because he picked these two guys up, Jamal Williams and Khalil Herbert, off the waiver wire. And they combined for 34 fantasy points. Look, you don't got to spend money if you can find those type of guys. And he found those type of guys. And Jamal Williams did it even with Swift back in the lineup. Yeah, I was listening to some of the talk from the Detroit Lions coaching staff. And I guess they're saying that Swift isn't really 100% yet. So, you know, it stands to reason when that happens, Jamal Williams might not get quite as many carries, but he appears to still be the goal line back there. You know, he set a Lions record. He beat Barry, Barry Sanders' record of most rushing touchdowns in the first seven games. Yeah, and the other thing I noticed, Deontay Johnson continues to trend upward. Big three points this week. So, You know what? And, and looking at Rick's roster, maybe you know you throw out the kicker, but everyone else had a pretty decent game. All his skill position players put up nine or more, except for Deontay. And I know Deontay's saving it for when he inevitably gets traded to my team. So, you know, I, I appreciate Deontay Johnson not going all out for a team that he's not going to finish the season on. And as much as I'd like to knock on Rick's team saying, hey, he got easy matchups this week, which, you know, he got easy matchups, but he still put up 111 points. So strong showing. Yeah, 111 points. And you know what? Now he's seven and nine and kind of right back in the thick of things from a playoff perspective. You know, I get it that, you know, the the algorithm's going to say he's only got a 20-something percent chance of making the playoffs at this stage. It's actually close to 30, 29.8%. But on the standings, he is one game out. So right now, sixth place, the last playoff spot is the Philadelphia Boneheads, a team he just beat. And now he's only one game behind the Boneheads and one and a half game behind the unruly fans. Yeah, and now another team that had the benefit of easy matchups but needed it was... Team Wobble. Yeah, Team Wobble up. did need it, I guess, on Kansas City's bye week. Yeah, he he still had a, a pretty strong showing, having Kamara in the lineup when he was active. That's probably always better when he's active. But yeah, putting up 93 with his Chiefs all on a bye, matching up against Sean and Brett. Sean put up 70 against him. Brett put up... 62. 62. All yeah. right. We'll get Roughly. to that in a minute, but, but no, you know what? Look, it, when you assemble your team and you've got all those buys lined up, you know, on the same week, you, maybe you think, you know, you can in, in this league anyway, if you, if you can escape that week with a split, you'll take it. And Josh did more than that. He's two and zero, moved up to 13 and three on the season. He's all but clinched his playoff spot at this point. I mean, he can probably, you know, bench his chiefs the rest of the way and still find enough wins to get in the playoffs. Well, the other um, interesting note about his lineup there, 
three wide receivers, Amon Ron St. Brown, Gabe Davis, and Rashad Bateman, all combined for nine points. Yep. You don't want to average a little bit more than three fantasy points, although Bateman did get injured, and he's going to miss some time. Um, sounds like he'll be out a few weeks. But, yeah, when you get injured in the middle of the game and you come out, it's kind of that early early stage issue where now you've locked a zero into your team's lineup. And instead, now that he knows he's out for a few weeks, he can plug someone else in. But yeah, tough break for Josh there. Managed to avoid taking a loss out of it, though, so hard to complain too much, right? Yeah, lucky Josh. Yep. Another team that had a little bit of fortune on their side, Tommy's team, you'll see. He also got to match up against the low score. So he got a win there. Tommy, though, went 2-0. and He did score 102 points. He beat the Boneheads as well. Tough break for the Boneheads. But yeah, Tommy, you know what? Here's the thing. We always talk about this with Tommy. Jalen Hurts outscored Lamar Jackson. So Tommy actually it's seven point positive in the QB column for him this week. Yeah. And another thing, top wide receiver not performing, Devontae Adams, zero points. And Tommy zero still points. manages a 102 because Derrick Henry did Derrick Henry things. 219, sure did, yeah. 219 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Boy, I'd like to get that kind of production out of my running back. But let me ask you a question here, John. As we're talking about Tommy's team, 28 points from his starting quarterback, 21 points from his backup quarterback. He's got guys like Darnell Mooney, Raheem Mostert, Dawson Knox in his starting lineup. Tommy himself sent a message to our group text chain here, and, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this here. He said, the points earned on my bench for Hertz and Jackson are way better than letting my competition have those points for now. Then he went on to say, Jackson's available for anyone wanting to give up top tier wide receiver or tight end <laughs> or running back. So, John, I, I want you to talk me through this. And just if you could just play devil's advocate for me here, I'm struggling trying to figure out why it's better to have the points on his bench through the first eight weeks of the season. But now it's better to trade one of those quarterbacks away to improve his starting lineup. Make it make sense for me. Well, I think that is just Tommy being Tommy, listening to too much podcast talk and being indecisive. Um, I think he, he's looking at it both ways, saying, no, no, no it, it's good if I have these points and my opponent doesn't have that. If he's worried about that, he can always just trade one of those quarterbacks away to someone in a different division that, sure, they'll be his competitor come playoff time, maybe. But you can always target a team that's not looking so hot for the playoffs in a different division. You can look ahead on your schedule and see the teams that you maybe only play one more time throughout the year. Hey, if you really wanted to put some effort in, you could look at when the bye weeks are, look at your schedule, match it up, and trade that guy away to a team that you play on the bye week. And then you don't have to worry about making a trade that ends up beating you one week. Now well, that's that could be, that could be a little too clever. You want to be careful not to be too clever. And also I think at this stage, Derek, excuse me, not Derek Henry, Jalen Hurts' bye week is over. So the only one he could look at, yeah, Lamar Jackson week 10. But now that you've put it out there, now that you've put it out there onto Spotify and Apple Music and everywhere else, you can listen to this wonderful podcast. All of our listeners are going to know that. And Tommy's week 10 opponents are now going to know that. Speaking of Tommy's Week 10 opponents, looks like you got the uh, Chuliota Tortoises and the Philadelphia Unruly Fans. So if either of you are looking for a quarterback, you could I get probably... the sense that Unruly Fans will be set with Josh <laughs> Allen. They're probably not going to make a move, although they could keep those points out of their opponent's lineup if they make there a move for go. that second-grade quarterback. So we'll have to see. I get the sense that Tommy waited too long and he's going to be stuck holding the bag here. I don't think anyone else is looking for a quarterback barring an injury. And I think, you know, we got, we didn't even talk about this, but Tom Brady is out there on waivers. I don't know by the time this episode drops, he might've been claimed, but there's another option for someone that's looking for a quarterback. For anybody who has not been paying attention to this season, Sure, you can go claim Tom Brady off the waiver wire. I'm just saying I could if I needed a quarterback and I could claim Tom Brady off the waiver wire for free or make a trade and cost myself a big asset. And I know, John, you love big assets. Um, I cannot lie. <laughs> but if you're 
having to give up something for someone that's been holding out a, for a King's ransom for one of these two quarterbacks, or you could just get Brady for free. I think most people would rather just get Brady for free. And I think that's the problem is there's enough options out there. Low price that Tommy's price tag for Jalen hurts or Lamar Jackson were worth. I think just was too high and nobody was, was willing to pay that price. And now he's just going to have these guys for the rest of the year. It seems like. Yeah. Personally looking at Lamar Jackson, he's too up and down for me. Feels like the window to, to trade him was after those two big weeks in week two and week three. One more team though, John, one more team that went two and zero this week, the gingers after all of those trades, all four of them last week, they managed to go two and zero, including a Monday night victory when Tyler Brown caught that touchdown against Cleveland or against, yeah, against Cleveland pulled ahead of me, beat me by four points. That one stung a little bit. And uh, the gingers also beat the mob who put up one of our very low scores this week, but yeah, two and zero after all that still don't know that they're in the playoff chase, but I know I'm getting, getting ahead of myself here. You mentioned you lost to the gingers by four points, four points. Yep. Tough break for me. Do you feel like that was scheming weasel karma? Because I say that because if you had started Justin Fields instead of Kirk Cousins, yeah, I I take that back. You, you it's a three point swing. There was enough points. There was enough points on there if I had picked the right wide receiver core, but I really am not kicking myself about it. I started. Um, Tyreek Hill, who was going to be my lineup all along. Chris Olave was really my number two. And then Brandon Ayuk was my number three. I had a couple of receivers on my bench, DK Metcalf included, that outscored Chris Olave. It wasn't enough for me to get the win. But functionally, I was going to start those guys over Ayuk anyway, which would have cost me points. So it's hard to kick myself too much over that. You know, could I have done the exact right thing, started Latavius Murray instead of DeAndre Swift? I could have. But let's face it, um, that wasn't a realistic decision to make either. So just a tough break when you score 106 points and, and manage to go 0-2. But, you know, hats off to my opponents, the gingers in the flock this week. Uh, I still give it to karma. Fair enough. Well, but John, yeah. you had your own karma. You went 1-1. One and one, So, you know, karma works in mysterious ways sometimes. Sure. Matching up against somebody playing 146. Or yeah, putting up 146. sometimes. Well, so we talked about my team going 0-2. Another team that went 0-2, though, let's talk about them. The team that wants to call themselves the league champ, but so far is not doing league champ stuff. In fact, they're doing league low stuff. 62 points for Brett. Here's the big he, burn. That, yeah, He wasn't beating anybody this week. He wasn't. He he did have to watch Tony Pollard, 32 points um, in his farewell to the team, go wasted on his bench. We'll talk about the farewell piece later on the show today. But yeah, Tony Pollard, 32 points. Can you really blame him though? I mean, he started Jonathan Taylor and Kenneth Walker instead. No, I don't blame that. There was, yeah. you know, the one bit is Zeke was out and we knew he was out. So we knew Tony Pollard was going to be the lead back there. We have seen in the past what Tony Pollard does when Zeke is out and he's the lead back and he's impressive. So then you question, well, who does he sit in place of Pollard? You know, he's not going to sit Walker. He's been too hot recently. Uh, do you sit Taylor in that scenario? Look, I know Taylor's been struggling a little bit recently. You know, his last few games, all single digits, really all single digits since week one. But man, when you get the player that was kind of the consensus number one flex player at minimum, in the league, maybe number one overall, if you were redrafting, it's tough to to sit him for a guy that's a backup on his own team. I get that he's thrived in you know in certain situations without Zeke there. I guess the you know the the upside, the silver lining to this for Brett is just starting Pollard over Jonathan Taylor was only going to net him 27 points. Still would have gone 0 and 2. So. Just that move alone, you can't kick yourself. It would have come cut it close against Wobble's team, but just didn't really seem to have the points elsewhere. Um, maybe if he sets a perfect lineup, but it's hard to you know get perfection when it involves sitting Jonathan Taylor and, and things like that. Sure. So another team that went 0-2, the Philadelphia Boneheads. We talked about they lost the team, the Tortoises. Wasn't particularly close there. They lost to Tommy. 17 points there. Here's where it was kind of close. 
John, I know you wanted to talk about this. He lost by 17 points to Tommy. Why did he lose? He lost because he dropped Kirk Cousins. He did. Kirk Cousins put up 23 points this week. David Carr put up a two. So not so much a start-sit decision, but a keep-cut decision that cost him here. Yeah, that hurts. Especially, well, I don't know what his salary cap is looking like, but he has an open roster spot. So yeah, I don't really... know how that – I didn't check the roster. I know the cap issue should not have been an issue because those two quarterbacks were $2 and $1. Uh, $1, excuse me. So that really wasn't going to make a difference. Wouldn't have. So, yeah, he's got a roster spot. He could have just held on to him. Yeah, interesting. I wonder if he had some waiver claims that just didn't go through the way he wanted them to. Maybe. Yep. Another team that went 0-2, Sean's team. Uh, unfortunately, <sighs> the fantasy I'm football team – you're shocked. Yes. And it's funny because we had just given our auction look back episode and I felt like we were very confident, which by the way, let me put a quick plug out there. If you haven't heard the bonus episode that we dropped, that's because you probably don't have your notifications on. So turn your notifications on. You'll get to hear all sorts of off schedule content like our auction look back that we just did. If you haven't heard it, go back and give it a listen. Cause it was a great stuff. I felt where we really dug deep into, uh, players and and how much they went for but anyway we were real nice to sean's team and he comes out and lays an egg 70 points this week yeah it was pretty ugly yep you know his quarterback did fine for him Mariota put up a 22 and then he got you know his running backs are, are doing okay everyone else though i mean we talked about nine points from josh's receiver core sean uh sean saw that nine and raised a seven out of Thielen. George Pickens and Wandale Robinson combined. And then he got two more points from his tight end position too. So a lot of people now, don't really pull their own weight. To, to be fair to Sean, he does have Allen and Lazard on his bench that were both hurt. Well, Allen was on a bye, so he wasn't playing anyways. Yep. But Lazard's out with the on shoulder. His, on his bench. So he's in a tough spot. He did sit Pitts. Who... That's funny to me. Yeah, I mean, look, let's talk about it. We sit Kyle Pitts. We, we know Sean's thoughts about this. He sent us a long diatribe. We couldn't get it into the bonus episode because we're really focused on this year. But Pitts, with that carryover contract from last year, and Sean was fed up off the heels of last week's zero. And so what did Pitts do this week? He puts up a 14, 80 yards and a touchdown. So might be enough to lock his spot in place going forward. But yeah, now Sean's got to uh, navigate that one and try and figure out if Pitts is a every week starter again or not. Well, at this point, Sean has to roll with him because the tight end that he started in his place, Irv Smith, is IR for the rest of the year. Yeah, Minnesota is going to need a new tight end. Mm, foreshadowing? Foreshadowing. Well, before we get into uh, the rest of our topics, we do have one team we haven't mentioned yet, the poor New Jersey mob. Good news. They did outscore Rebels team by one point, 63 to 62 on the week. Bad news is they didn't play them in a head-to-head matchup, so Mob also went 0-2. You and mean just... Brett. You said Rebel. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, Rebel actually yeah, had a good, decent week. Sorry about that. You are correct. Apologies there. Apologies to Josh. You are the king of the league for the time being. But no, yeah, so the Mob, 63 points, struggling to pick the right wide receivers. He did get 10 points out of T. Higgins, but started Devontae Smith and Marquise Goodwin, combined for a 5, left on his bench. Devin Duvernay with a 13, Garrett Wilson with an 11. You know, the points are kind of there. Fortunately, you know, it didn't really cost him enough of a win because the rest of the team didn't do so well anyway. But, hey, at least he has Joe Mixon. He does have Joe Mixon now, $63 and five fantasy points. Yep. So enjoy that next year. All right, John. Well, like I said, we kind of foreshadowed some trades, both NFL and Felicio. But before we can get into all that, I believe we have to pay some bills. Today's episode of A Bit of Felicio is brought to you by Canvas Restaurant and Market. Located in the heart of Lake Nona, Canvas Restaurant and Market serves new American cuisine with a focus on seasonal, regional produce and fresh seafood. They offer comfort food, hard liquor, a kid's menu, and are LGBTQIA2S plus friendly, according to Google. And their general manager is as sexy as my voice. But you can't date him even if you work there. 
Make your reservation today at canvaslakenona.com. And welcome back. We talked about earlier, we got a lot of trades uh, with the trade deadline happening as we record this earlier today, Tuesday, November 1st. So the big news, which we foreshadowed just a second ago, TJ Hawkinson traded from the Lions to the Vikings. Um, John, Hawkinson's on the Gingers. Do you think this is a positive, negative, or a, just a wash for him, first off? For the Gingers? Yeah, do you think I Hawkinson's in a better place now, fantasy-wise? Well, I, I think Hawkinson is definitely in a better place. Fantasy-wise. Uh, you know, fantasy-wise, uh, he's got a better quarterback. I see his numbers improving in Minnesota over what he's, his production would have been in Detroit. Historically, tight ends in Detroit have not been very consistent. Meanwhile, tight ends there historically have been pretty consistent. Not huge numbers, but consistent numbers, consistent use. So with the skill set that Hawk has, I see a bright future for him. Is he going to make a huge impact being on the Gingers this year? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be enough to turn that team around. No, but certainly a few extra points couldn't hurt. It does feel like, I'll say this, it feels like Adam Thielen's been dropping off a little bit statistically, so there may be some opportunity there uh, for Hawkinson to pick up some of the numbers there. Um, I think from the team that he's leaving, the Lions, and of course I'm going to know this one better than anyone, I think Wobble's in the best position here. I think Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be able to get a few extra targets. The Lions don't really have any receiving tight ends that are noteworthy so it's not like any you know those tight ends are suddenly going to start getting a bunch of extra targets those targets got to go somewhere i think st brown's the guy that's going to benefit the most from this from now, the lions perspective i don't know because i'm not a lions fan and i don't watch much lions football it was hawk used as a blocking tight end much is this going to impact the running back situation there I don't think it is. I think if anything, they've got these other guys that can block. I mean, they've got Brock Wright and James Mitchell, names you guys haven't heard of, understandably so. And I think they can do you know, as much as Hawkinson can from a blocking perspective. Hawkinson was a receiver, but the problem, we talked about this, I think, in our uh, tight end featured section of the auction look back episode. Just he was doing it all one week. And when they wanted to make him the star, he could really go and be the star, but it was... You know, he's a receiving tight end, and I don't think it's going to negatively impact the, the offensive line capabilities for the Lions. Well, I'll tell you the other thing that I like about his situation in Minnesota is if you're a tight end and you have that hard-running running back that draws the defense closer to the line, it opens up those opportunities for the tight end down the field. The defense cheats up to stop the run. You get that pass across the middle. Having Dalvin Cook there in Minnesota, I think, is going to just help Hawkinson's future. Yep, I think it's a small boost. I don't think it's going to be much. Um, it's not like he's suddenly going to vault himself into the Kelsey and Andrews tier of tight oh. ends. Oh, the Andrews tier of tight ends? The three tiers for the two guys. The three tiers where the second tier is putting up three points a week? One week. Anyway, <laughs> uh, next trade that went down just minutes later, seemingly, uh, today, Chase Claypool traded from pittsburgh to the bears and oh, funny enough man. you know who has chris uh chase claypool in our league I, I do not it's bears fan extraordinaire bear fan x tommy well, you'll see so now he's got another bear on his team um, my heart my heart goes out to claypool it's a tough one to to swallow you think it's it's tough to go to the chicago there and just play in that offense especially as a wide receiver yeah just look historically passing offense ever it's a place for wide receivers to go and get five targets a game three catches 60 yards maybe if he's lucky well i think the problem was darnell mooney who was the bears de facto wide receiver one wasn't truly a wide receiver one i think he's got the biggest downgrade from this situation now because he's going to move it to their their second tier option once they incorporate claypool into the play uh the playbook and everything there but yeah, I think Darnell Mooney, who's also on Tommy's team for that matter, is uh, probably a little bit you know, of a downgrade here. Claypool, I think he wasn't really being used this year that much in Pittsburgh, so I think he'll get a little bit of an upgrade uh, in the process. Um, but I think one of the guys that gets the biggest boost from this is my guy, 
uh, Justin Fields. I think he's, you need to see what he has and let him sling the ball around um, in order to make a educated decision on him. If they want to keep, you know, sticking with him. And I think that's what the bears did. They went out and got him a receiver, another top receiver that they can, uh, you know, take away any excuses for fields. So I think fields are going to get more opportunities now. I don't know if it's enough for me to make him my starter, um, but certainly from a long-term perspective, it's not a bad thing for them to, to get him another weapon. There you go. You just keep those additional points that Justin Fields gets. You keep them on your bench so that nobody else can have them. That's a that's strategy, John. But I think the biggest beneficiary of this, you're going to love this one here. Um, <laughs> in Pittsburgh now, Claypool's absence is going to create way more targets for Deontay Johnson. We're riding him to the moon. This is uh, just strap a rocket to his back, man. He is going to the upper echelon of fantasy football wide receivers Deontay Johnson now one less guy to compete with here we go buckle in sure he'll he'll get way more targets but I don't think that's going to translate into any more catches <laughs> well you know what I, I think it's a long-term plan again waiting for him to get traded to the roadies <laughs> good luck All with right. that bunch of other trades that went down I'm going to rattle them off because they're not totally fantasy relevant but let me know if you see anything in here that, that piques your interest we had Chase Edmonds uh, got traded from Miami to Denver. Miami immediately backfilled his spot with Jeff Wilson coming over from San Francisco. And we also saw Niam Hines and Zach Moss swap places from uh, Buffalo and Indianapolis, respectively. So anything there that you think is fantasy relevant or any uh, anything pique your interest there? Not really. Not with these guys. Maybe Hines gets a little bit of a boost there. But what I see from that is more impactful for other guys. You can kind of infer what the teams are thinking about other guys based on these moves. You know, in Buffalo, you've got Cook there. With Buffalo acquiring Hines, do you think that says anything about what the team thinks about Cook? You know, it, it feels like Cook might be their goal line back now. Uh, this might cost Devin Singletary a few, you know, catches. It just feels like Buffalo doesn't really care about our fantasy teams, and so Jerks. they're more than willing to take three, uh, excuse me, three running backs, and just spread the the roles, you know, three different ways. And and if none of them really emerge, but it helps the team win, I think they're okay with that. Which is a weird priority for an NFL team to not care about our fantasy teams, but it feels to me like that's the direction they're going. Yeah, and then uh, down in Miami, do you know the details on that? I didn't have time to look it up, but was was Miami netting positive draft capital in that? Well, the Edmonds, Chase Edmonds was a throw-in. It was really the Bradley Chubb deal, so they gave away a first-round pick, not their own. It's the one they had from San Francisco, I think, when you know they moved up to get Trey Lance a couple of years ago. Um, so Miami's back without a first-round pick. Of course, they had their own first-round pick stripped. Uh, for tampering with Brady and Sean Payton, uh, which is not something you should do. <laughs> but yeah, so no, Edmonds was a throw-in, and it felt like, um, you know, again, they probably knew they were getting Jeff Wilson. They got Jeff Wilson for, you know, real low price. So um, it's not like they invested draft capital one way or the other, moving the running backs around. It was really about the first-round pick for Bradley Chubb on the defensive side. So those are the trades in the NFL. Um in our league, we had a couple of trades. So one that goes back to last Wednesday, um, the Chulio de Tortoises and the New Jersey Mob made a deal. And this is interesting because, John, this was a team between two teams that felt like they were out of the running, at least at the time this trade was made. Rick on the Tortoises side got Austin Eckler. He got your buddy James Cook there. And he also got Jerry Judy. In return, the Mob got Joe Mixon, uh, T. Higgins, and Cam Akers. Yeah, in, um, in return, the mob got taken. You, you think that was a, a lopsided trade in that sense? You don't? You know, I, Mixon is a huge albatross of a contract, and yeah. I get it. We, we saw the game last night, which is after this trade was made, but if anyone was paying attention, Mixon's kind of looked like this all season. He's been lacking that explosiveness. There's no big plays. It's just you know a few yards at a carry, and if he falls in the end zone, it's a half-decent game, but there's no explosive league winning or game winning games out of mixing anymore well look at it this way all right so we'll start with the receivers you got higgins and judy judy eleven dollars signed through this year higgins eight dollars signed through this year 
they're roughly the same. They're both what third year receivers, um, averaging somewhere around like seven, eight points a week. Both have potential. Both have breakout potential. You kind of give Higgins the upside just being in Cincinnati over Judy, but they're roughly the same guy. Then you you look at, hey, we rolled the dice on a up-and-coming young running back. Mike had Cook. Rick had Cam Akers. Rick has Cam Akers a dollar signed through 2023. So they're, well, I guess they're both signed through 2023. So looking at that, at least Cook is getting used in the games and the, Buffalo is still praising cook. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, not being sent home. That's, you know, that's a, a plus, yeah. right? It, at least he's with the team and you know, they're not talking about him just not coming around the facility. So I, I give the edge there to cook. And then you, you get to comparing Eckler versus Mixon. I think it's There's, Eckler all day, right? There's no comparison. Even at $58, I would much rather take that contract of Eckler at $58 and franchise him next year, which, what does that put me at? Like, uh, that's going to be another 15, quick. that's going to be another $15. You're talking about 73. I don't know that he's franchisable. I mean, that's, that would set a record in hey, our league would, for the highest salary. Would you prefer Eckler at 73 or Mixon at 63 with the production you're getting out of those two? <laughs> well, when you put it that way. I don't think I think by next year neither of those are good contracts. So um, I don't know. Do you for for seventy three dollars you're getting what's he averaging like sixteen points a week versus sixty three dollars for five points a week, eight points if he a keeps week. Putting up those points, which I you know there's no guarantee he's going to continue producing at that level. I do take issue with one thing you said at the beginning there, and, and I'm going to be nice and I'm not going to call you an idiot, but. For you to say that Higgins and Judy are ostensibly the same guy, um, it, it borders on idiotic. Okay. So I guess I'm not going to be that nice. But no, Higgins is in the Cincinnati offense. You've got Joe Burrow, one of the best young quarterbacks in the league, and you're comparing that to Denver's situation with Russell Wilson, who's brand new there, who's not gone well. They've committed $250 million to him over the next several years, and they are immediately regretting it not even half a season in. I think there's just so much in Denver that's gone wrong. And Judy mm -hmm. was rumored to be on the trade block, didn't get moved today. So, yeah, I mean, I think the upside right, to Judy if you, would be in a different situation. It's not here in Denver. Yeah, but if you also look at how he's being utilized in Denver, he's getting more targets than the other receivers. He's not the number one, but he's definitely putting up better numbers than Cortland Sutton. Um, but he's not putting up better numbers than T Higgins. And I think that's the, the thing here is Mike did improve in that regard. If he's going to franchise one of those two guys, I would much rather franchise Higgins and keep him around next year at $13 than Judy at 16 Higgins at 13 seems like it might still be a, you know, a bargain. Whereas Judy at 16 might be market price might be overpaying depending on what's going on in Denver. But he's not going to, he's not going to have a franchise slot slot because he's going to have to cut Mixon and acres. <laughs> You know, I don't know what he does with Mixon. You know, we'll see if Mixon's still considered one of those top tier running backs or second or third tier running backs that are worthy of that much in the auction. Acres is only a dollar. And so Acres is a flyer. You know what? I, if Acres lands in a different situation and it feels like I can't see him sticking around in LA for the Rams through all of the offseason into next year, a dollar, you know, maybe he gets his explosiveness back. Um, it, look, it's a shot in the dark right now, but I think um, you're right. In the scope of the entire trade, if you're trying to get bargain guys, um, hopefully it's not so you can fit a guy like Joe Mixon under your cap because he's yeah. just not worth it at 63. I think we all agree on that. Now, I am going to call you out here. You said Higgins is producing much more than Jerry Judy. You've got numbers? I got numbers. Higgins averaging 8.12 points per week. Jerry Judy averaging 7.5. They're the same guy. I, I think if you've got to look at this and project future performance, though, I, I just give me give me the guy that just or the guy that plays with the quarterback that just threw for like 350 yards in the first half just a week ago. I know last night's Monday night game wasn't so clean, um, 
Higgins still got the look there. And if we're looking at it in the short term, which doesn't make sense, but yeah, Jamar Chase is out. Higgins is going to be the guy for a few weeks. I think when Chase is back, Higgins doesn't suffer at all. There's obviously more targets going Chase's way, but also Higgins gets easier coverage. They find Higgins. Higgins will get his numbers. Okay, so here you go. Put as much stock into this as you will, but the rest of season forecast by CBS Fantasy Sports, T. Higgins, rest of season, average 8.33 points per game. Rest of season for Jerry Judy, 8.11. So the experts say they're the same guy. Yeah, but what do the experts know? <laughs> All, right, All right, man. A- enough, enough of said that one. That one. Yes, agreed. I think we've the more, we've run that one into the ground. We do have a new trade, though. Fortunately, a Tuesday morning trade, which is what we like because it's fresh uh, news here. Just today, the Tortoises made another trade with Brett's league champ. Um, Rick gets Tony Pollard, as we mentioned, his outgoing performance on Brett's bench was wasted. Now Rick gets uh, a $2 player signed through next year, along with Tyler Higby, who is undrafted and thus not able to be carried over. Um, but Brett in return is getting uh, George Kittle $18 through this year and JK Dobbins $20 through this year does technically put Brett over the cap as it stands. Now he's going to have a corresponding move by the time this trade goes through. Um, but who do you think won this trade here? Well, just when I was about to give Rick really great props for his trade skills, he goes and makes this trade with Brett. And yeah, I, I think Rick's just taking whatever trades are offered to him right now. <laughs> well, I, as it turns out, I talked to Rick. He was the one that offered the trade. He didn't know it had gotten accepted um, when I first texted him about it. So um, yeah, this was his trade that he shipped out there, and I can see Ooh. why he did it. I don't think you franchise Kittle or Dobbins at this point. Um, Kittle at 23 would be kind of pricey given what he's returned this year. He Obviously, we've talked about that on um, previous podcasts. He just hasn't returned. I don't know. He's got, t- he's got tier two tight end potential. You think he really goes for more than 23 in the auction next year, though? Yeah. I mean, he could. But if he has a big year, but you know, big second half, but between that and then Dobbins going, you know, in and out of games and, and now being back on the IR short term, I don't know that he's going to prove enough to justify a $25 salary next year. So it feels like Brett was kind of making moves for this year. Um, and I know Brett likes JK Dobbins. So maybe he's hoping that something will come of that, but this is really about, it really feels like it was more of a Pollard for Kittle type of deal. Yeah. I, I don't like, Pollard signed through next year. I know it's only $2, but he's a, he's a number two running back. He puts up big numbers when Zeke is hurt, but otherwise he's just another guy. And I know Rick threw out a bunch of stats, right? Like, Oh, you guys like stats. I don't have it in front of me, but you know, Pollard's numbers are looking good this year. But that comes when Zeke has been in and out of the the lineup and dealing with you know getting dinged up. Well, you're you're worried that Zeke or excuse me that that Tony Pollard's value is tied to Zeke being um, sitting out. The Cowboys actually have an out though in Zeke's contract. His cap hit will decrease uh, a little bit next year, um, and they may just run them into the ground, run him into the ground this year. Um, knowing they're going to move on from him next year. And I think games like what we just saw this week um, where Tony Pollard runs wild, I believe he leads the league over the last few years in 50-plus yard touchdown runs. So he's explosive, um, and he's proven that he can do it when when Zeke is out. Maybe they bring in another guy on a cheaper contract just to help lighten the load. Maybe they don't want to have Tony Pollard running you know, as the guy all season long. Um, but certainly, I think for two dollars, you know, if you're banking on um, the Cowboys moving on from Zeke next year, Pollard right there at, at two dollars is an incredible bargain. And I think if even if they don't move on from Ezekiel Elliott, if he misses his two three games, and you get a very high quality starting player for those two to three weeks where you know Zeke is out, um, even that returns its value at two dollars. So I think from what Rick was uh, looking to do, I think yeah. I mean, he got value for Kittle and Dobbins, and um, he's got a, a piece that's uh, not going to cost him much and might pay off uh, supremely next year. 
So I think Rick did a great job. Good job, Rick. I think Rick did a meh job. I don't. I, I don't see disagree the, once again. I don't see the Cowboys moving on from Zeke and saying, "Hey, Tony, you're our guy." If they move on from Zeke, it's because they're drafting a new running back, and Pollard will be a fill-in guy until they have their premier back again. Yeah. It just feels like I mean, this is now the second year that the eye test it looks like Pollard is better than Zeke. They may have had to talk themselves into Zeke because of his contract, and he really wasn't movable this year anyway, so they said all the right things in Dallas. Um, we'll see what they end up doing, you know, because uh, actions speak louder than words there. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, we will see what happens next week as we've got what I've termed the bipocalypse. We've got six teams out on by next week. They're not necessarily the great fantasy juggernauts that we saw just a couple weeks ago, um, when Philly and Buffalo and all of them were off. But here's who we've got off this week. We've got Cleveland, Dallas, Denver, the Giants, Pittsburgh, and San Francisco. Um, John, and looking at this here, to me, it felt like there were three teams um, that are going to be hurting the most from from seeing these folks or these uh, players all out on by. First one I want to call out, it, Danny's team, Flynn's Flock. Key players they've got out this week. Um, Najee Harris. Amari Cooper, who they just started over Michael Pittman last week. And then podcast favorite, Jimmy Jeans, also going to be out on by. Um, Danny, I think maybe reluctantly, is going to start Aaron Rodgers in his place, which I can't believe we're actually saying that. Um, but yeah, that's the, you know, that's the the realization of it is, is now well, Danny's starting Rodgers and he's starting A.J. Dillon and he's starting Michael Pittman now. The saving grace for Danny, so he is starting two Packers this week. He's got Rodgers and Dylan, but, but, oh no. The, the good thing is they're matching up against the Detroit Lions this week. So, <sighs> Feels like that might be a recipe for success after all. I think you might see the Packers put up some pretty big numbers. I'd be curious to know if when Danny traded for Aaron Rodgers, if he was looking ahead at his bye weeks. He does also have Kenny Pickett, who wasn't a starter for him, but he really didn't have any other quarterback um, to start this week. I wonder if he looked at the Lions opponent, went out and got that quarterback. If so, Danny, well played. Hats off. All right. One other team here um, struggling from a bye week perspective um, the Philadelphia Unruly Fans, winners of four straight, and now they've got to go into it without. Christian McCaffrey and guy that we think we all talk plenty about uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you know, the good news for Joe with, with both those running backs out, he just had Deontay Foreman establish himself. So I think he feels pretty confident starting Foreman this week. Um, yeah. Not Foreman, so much, John. Foreman established himself against Atlanta, right? Yeah. Not, not the premier defense in the NFL. This week, he he matches up against Cincinnati. Well, Nick Chubb just looked good against Cincinnati last night. I don't think Deonta Foreman is Nick Chubb. He may not be, but last week he was. So, <laughs> and and then he's also going to be relying on James Robinson, but he's matching up against Buffalo, who's also got a pretty stout run defense. So it's. Looking pretty rough for yeah, him the, as far as running backs go. The James Robinson start, obviously. I mean, it's a bye week filling when your top two guys are out on bye. But James Robinson feels, you know, he wasn't really incorporated as much as maybe Joe would have liked. And I think next week against Buffalo or this coming week against Buffalo, that has the the all the looks of a game that's going to get out of hand. And the Jets will probably be passing. That's more of a Michael Carter game, it feels like. Um, if that comes to pass. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But I wouldn't bank on much from James Robinson. But as his fourth running back, effectively, in this uh, pecking order, you know, you could do worse, I suppose. Yeah, it's going to be a, a rough week. You didn't mention his kicker is also on a bye. Oh, no. Well, hopefully he'll figure that out. He's not going out of town or out of the country uh, where he's got to call someone from international waters to sub out his kicker. Yeah. John, one last team. I can't wait to talk about this being affected by the buys. And that would be your team. Yeah. Team Maddox. And the real Nick Chubb, actual Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb is on a buy. Um, along with a couple lesser pieces, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Pat Fryermuth. Uh, John, talk me through what are you going to do to make up for those absences? I'm going to lose. 
my my team is not built to survive bye weeks. My team is built to be strong when my starting lineup is all healthy and playing. And now that I have my biggest piece on the bench on a bye, and I've got my other biggest piece hurt and on my bench, it's not looking good for Team Maddox this week. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be relying on performances from Dontrell Hilliard, Sky Moore, and Robert Tunyon uh, for you. Good news, though, John, for you. you want this Yeah, Tunyon's matching up against the Lions, so that's, big week that's out one of Tunyon. good news, yes, but I've got something better. Your kicker is not on a bye week. You got no, Daniel but he, Carlson, fresh legged Daniel Carlson. Yeah, he he also wasn't on a bye week last week and put up zero points. He saved his leg. He didn't even kick <laughs> any field goal attempts, any extra point attempts. So you've got him ready to go. Yeah, and, I'm I'm not excited. And, and you know what, John? The worst part for you, we're looking at the schedule. We're going back to those pod games where you know teams will play groups of three. We we'll all play. Yeah. Each other. So do I get to match up against some weak opponents? Uh, no, you've got uh, probably the most intriguing set of games from a playoff positioning standpoint. John, you're nine and seven. You're going up against the Boneheads, who are eight and eight, and you're going against Sean's fantasy football team at seven and nine. Two teams that are right in the thick of the the race for that last playoff spot. Um, you're holding on, I guess, to a division spot, but also potentially a wild card spot if you fall out of first place in the division. That's going to be exciting to see what happens between those three teams there because uh, a lot of playoff chances are going to be affected by what the outcome of this week's game is with those three. Well, I'm pretty confident that Sean will find a way to screw it up. So I'm thinking, you know, worst case, I go one and one. Like we said, if you can go one and one when all your best players are on a bye, that's a win. Well, John, I think that just about does it for this week's episode. Anything you want to tell us here? No, I don't think so. Is there anything I'm forgetting? Well, I like the ringing of the bell, the notifications. That's my oh, favorite yeah. part of the show. Yeah, forget. Don't forget to ring the bell. Well, well, first, you're getting me all out of order. First, thank you all for listening and and hanging with us. Our, our numbers just keep going up, just like uh, Deontay Johnson. We're trending upward. We keep uh, getting more and more listens. Even had a listener from Germany this past week. I don't know wow. which of you owners is. Uh, traveling the world and listening from Germany, but Hey, good on you. One person's going to have the best fantasy football team in all in Germany by listening to us. <laughs> but yeah, thank you all. Don't forget to ring that bell for notifications. So you don't miss out on our bonus content whenever that comes. All right. Well, that should just about do it for us here on this week in a bit of fellatio. I'm your host, Jason Geller. I'm your producer extraordinaire, John Maddox. And we'll see you next time. See ya. Was that short enough for Emily? <laughs>